Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode 193 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I'm your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes and Coach Kevin Bohannon. We thank you for beginning your week with us, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Hit that subscribe button if you have not already, and please be sure to take a couple of seconds, leave us a written review and a five-star rating. Bet Online is who we are brought to at, brought to you by, as always, and they have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Plus, the best part, it is free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device today and sign up to receive 50% on your welcome bonus from your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And guys, we're going to talk about this in the second segment. We got to start off just uh, what a phenomenal series at Tennessee this weekend. I know for the last couple of weekends, we've talked in our group chat, really didn't put it out there in public, but this was one, especially, I know Georgia was one of those kind of possible ones that could sneak up and get you last week, but I thought that Tennessee was going to fall to us. I didn't realize it was going to be this close to where they were going to have us breathing very, very hard or making it tough to breathe, I guess you could say, up until the very end. But hats off to them. There was a little bit of uh, added spice to, to that series, I guess you could say, moving forward. They didn't really play a whole lot, and obviously Tennessee hasn't been a historically good baseball school. But, uh, but Kevin, they are much better this year, as they have shown all season. And it's uh, it was definitely good to come out with another series win, nine in a row as we head into our final one of the season. Yeah, I made the statement that Tennessee's a hard-nosed team. They're better than what I thought they were. They're a little bit deeper in their bullpen. Of course, the, the Huntley kid that came in Friday and today on Sunday, he was really good. Uh, of course, Blake Tidwell, freshman, 6'5", 215, blue gas right by us. He pitched mainly off of his fastball today, and we finally got to him that third time through the lineup like we've talked before. But this team is going to be around for a while because Tony Vitello is a great baseball mind. Now, people person, not so much. We learned that today. Um, I mean, and, and DVH had some words at the end, but yeah, we'll talk about that later, but yeah, great series. Brady Slavin's three for four on Friday night. Uh, the freshman Caden Wallace, he had a couple of big hits. Robert Moore came through really big today with that third run because Kevin cops, believe it or not is human and did give up a run, but cops improved to nine and oh, he got his eighth win on Friday night and it took another 110 pitches on the weekend from him. So Dave Van Horn knew that it was going to be a really tight one-run game on Friday, and today went to him when he needed to. Cops came through once again. Yeah, very tough series. I mean, and we're at the point where 
you're at the end of the season and you're getting everybody's shot. I mean, you got the stadiums open up to 100%. I mean, it was 4,500 or whatever, 5,000. I mean, everybody was hyped. And yesterday's win for Tennessee really got them pumped for today. And I think just the motions got the best of both coaches. And, you know, Batello didn't really like losing the way he did today. And it led over to the post game. And, but man, it's, you, you notice the pitching in the SEC is just really came up. I mean, the pitcher today for Tennessee is just mowing them down and they're giving Arkansas their best shot. And we're still, you know, bringing in cops and he's closing the deal. But I think after the post game, you know, Vitella calmed it down a little bit, took ownership. But like I said, we'll get into that later. But man, cops snapped his 27 inning streak of consecutive without earning a run. I mean, the team, cops, and I think before the we started recording, I was like, man, you got Blaine Knight, Isaiah Campbell, and then Kevin Cox. <laughs> I, I just think that's how much he means to this team. He is exactly like them because when you send him out on the mound, you know you're going to get the win. Yeah, he gave up his fifth run on Sunday of the year. That's just absolutely phenomenal. He was on a streak there for a little while where it was kind of bad stats if he had more than three, if he gave up more than three hits. And he's kind of come back into human form, but still pitching lights out. And as we said, we'll get into that uh, here a little bit later. But we've got to talk about first the track and field team. They beat Alabama. Uh, Alabama had a score of 109 and LSU with a score of 108. It's always great beating those two, isn't it? But we scored 129 right. points to win the Triple Crown. They just won their 20th SEC outdoor title and bagged their 16th SEC Triple Crown. And guys, I've said this for years in various debates, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook, but I'll take it to my grave. This dynasty that track and field has had, particularly, and now there's still a dynasty in the SEC, not so much nationally anymore, because I think the guys have only won one national championship since John McDonald retired. But I don't think that there's any dynasty in the history of sports quite like what the Razorback track team has. 30 national championships overall. I know that probably North Carolina women's soccer would have something to say about that. I believe they won like eight eight or nine straight in the late 80s, early 90s, and have had a couple of other streaks of national championships too, so no disrespect to them. But men's indoor track and field, 20 national championships and outdoor 10. I just don't think that you can touch 30 national championships on top of all the conference championships too. Now, that might be a really bold statement for for me to make in all of sports because I realize that you know outside of the world I really don't pay attention outside of the World Cup and stuff I don't pay attention to soccer and I don't pay attention to many sports around the world just basically what we have in the U.S. but I I truly believe that you can put what this track and field team has done up against really any sports team in any category other than maybe some individual stuff but guys I just don't think that you're going to find one better all time. I agree because they're not just doing it in the men's, they're they're doing it in the women's. The only thing that I would say, like when we're talking about dynasty and the amount of national championships, is where they hold the edge is you've got track indoor, outdoor, and cross country. So you got the chance of getting three national championships in one year or three SEC championships in one year. So now they did six. The men's and women's got their indoor, outdoor, and and the cross country. So that's where the number kind of gets inflated. But I do agree with you. Like when it comes to the dynasty, you can't take away what Arkansas has done with the track and field. And it's always been a man dominant, you know, program. Now here we come in with harder. And I mean, the women's just going nuts. 
Yeah, and what can you say about John McDonald, the, the program that he built and the lasting legacy? You talk about it all the time. When you pass the baton to somebody else, and I know it's a good metaphor for track, when you pass the baton on to somebody else, can that level of success be sustained? And it really has. The facilities that we have there at the University of Arkansas are second to none. If it wasn't for Phil Knight and his Nike organization, you know, pimping out the Oregon track and field up there in the northwest corner of the U.S., you know, this would be the, the place on in the U.S. that you come for track and field. So it's just so much fun to watch them. Wallace Spearman, a uh, noted alumni who graduated from Fayetteville High School, I think, in 2001, still comes back, talks to the athletes. He, they've got his face up on – the indoor facility now. So, you know, kudos to the, the men's and women's and that, and they scored a lot in the 5,000 meter race. And that's what kind of put them over the top. Yeah. And they still got a lot of work to do, but the preliminary round start on May 27th, that ends uh, the 29th. It gets a Thursday through Saturday, the 27th through the 29th. And uh, before the NCAA championships begin on June 9th. So again, love him a lot was Kobe Bryant. Just one of the not just greatest NBA players of all time, but uh, certainly one of the greatest athletes uh, of our era um, in, in all of sports. And, you know, looking at – I didn't actually watch it until Sunday. I was pretty busy Saturday, but I watched the Vanessa Bryant give her speech, and it's just – it was very bittersweet. I think a lot of us expected that because you're excited that – He's finally getting immortalized as a probably, I mean, some would say he's the greatest NBA player of all time. Some have him at two, some have him at three. I think that most would probably agree that he is in top three. I would say that's probably a unanimous decision. But to get rewarded for all that, yeah, it's always great. We love to see that. But it's obviously unfortunate that he was not there to give a speech himself. You know, it, it, again, Vanessa did a phenomenal job. I can't even imagine what she was going through, not just to have to do that for your your deceased spouse, but also with the world watching you, not just the country, the world, with the the way that the NBA has gone around the world. And um, I just really uh, have a lot of respect for her, the way that she was able to do that and actually finish doing it. And so I don't think it could have been any better. And this was a guy that I, I can't say that I was always a diehard fan of, but certainly always respected his game. And, you know, it's just one of those things to where it's great to see him where he is. But uh, I know that I remember every little detail of where I was when we all thought it was just a fake TMZ article or video or not video, but a, a fake TMZ story. And then we were all crushed whenever we found out that it indeed was real. And uh, just basically, I sum all that, I say all that to sum up and say that it was just a, an incredible uh, speech from her, Michael Jordan, all that stuff. It was just great overall. Yeah, and Vanessa Bryant said he's still winning. You know that that that's the big thing. And just think about, yeah, you know, I grew up with all these guys and watching them and idolizing them. Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett. This, this was just a, a star-studded class. And not to take anything away from what we're talking about, but, you know, Tim Duncan may be probably one of the most underrated players that you talk about with five rings, uh, all defensive team countless times. And then KG, it was guys that were known by one name, KG, Kobe, Duncan. I mean, in, in Kobe, it's, it's like you said, Kyle, you go back to the day I walked in our facility over there at the Arkansas Prospects indoor and it, it came on the TV screen. I was just, and it was just, you know where you were when something like that happens. It, they, they're still celebrating Kobe's life. And I know that's the one thing that he would want 
to be carried on and that it, it, he has transcended not only the game, but American culture. Yeah. When it comes to Kobe, I mean, in this day and age, you know, the, the biggest sports debate that I see is LeBron versus Jordan. And I think we got to take a step back and realize that Kobe deserves just as much as credit as LeBron. I'm a Jordan guy. Will always be a Jordan guy. I mean, grew up, you know, watching him and six and zero in the finals and what he did coming back after two years of retirement and winning three more. But uh, it's tough. You know, I'd have to put Kobe number two, then LeBron three, because when it comes to being at the top, you, that Mamba mentality, when he wanted to put a team on his back, when he wanted to win a game, he did. And his very last game hitting that 60 and just going out on his terms and saying Mamba out. And, and for him to so young, I mean, to be so young when he passed away, it wasn't like he'd been out of the league 30, 40 years and you know, 80 years old. And they're announcing that, you know, Kobe Bryant had passed away. I mean, literally, we're looking at our phones saying this is a joke. This can't be real. You know, and even now to this day, it, it it's, can't be real. But you, you're talking about the inductees of the Hall of Fame, Tim Duncan, KG, Bryant, Eddie Sutton. I mean – it's kind of bittersweet in a way because we love seeing these guys getting in the Hall of Fame, but it's like showing how old we're getting because the guys <laughs> we grew up watching are now getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. And now next year's class with, you know, Chris Weber, Paul Pierce, you know, these people we watched growing up. But Oh, it's loaded. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. insane. But Kobe was a special, special player. And that's where him and Jordan, I think, separate themselves from LeBlanc. And you talk about Duncan. He did it with one team. Same with Kobe and same with Jordan. You know, Duncan went through – he was the only player to win championship in three different decades. I mean, that is insane to think about. And he he did it with Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. But, yeah, mad props to Vanessa for getting up there. And and when all eyes were on, you know, Kobe and – in his induction in Michael Jordan, you knew as soon as he was getting inducted to the Hall of Fame that there was going to be so much pressure on that, and she handled it, I mean, gracefully. And, Kevin, you talked about players that are known or just icons, whether any kind of celebrity that are known by one name. He had a game named after him, too. Every time we brought up a piece of paper, and it, it's Kobe, you know, trying to hit, hit the trash can, or anytime we're trying to get anything in some sort of bucket or whatever the case may be, and so it was just like an everyday life thing. People that didn't even really watch sports knew exactly who he was. There's a few athletes, there's a few singers, there's a few movie stars that just separate themselves from the others. And it doesn't matter whether you're interested in that particular topic or not, you know exactly who they are. And Kobe was one of those. And and I definitely wanted to talk about Tim Duncan too because I was not in San Antonio whenever he played. He retired the year before I moved there. But just to know that the the impact that he had on the city of San Antonio, it's very similar to what Kobe did for L.A. and then what LeBron has done for Cleveland. I'm, I'm not a huge LeBron guy. I've got my reasons why I don't, I don't care for him much, but I definitely don't take away from the fact that he's a great father, that he's a great mem- member of, of society to the community, that he has done a lot of good things. And that's exactly what, what Kobe did. Kobe left his legacy not just because he was a great basketball player, but because he did make such a difference, not just in L.A., but all over the place. You know, you think about 
the amount of families that he helped feed that were not sure if they were going to get their next meal or not or put clothes on their back that they weren't sure that they were going to have in, on a cold night or just just throwing out examples there but these players especially the ones that we we talk we like to talk about a lot the headlines not necessarily we but I'm just saying like media in general likes to put all these headlines out there when they get a DWI or when they assault somebody or just any kind of negative thing but we don't touch enough on the impact i have i have seen with my own eyes Ke- the, of uh, not kevin garnett um the tim duncan volunteering in san antonio and, and something that a lot of people in his position would think that they were above uh, tony parker the same way manu ginobili the same way they were exactly who they were uh, that they said they were on the court and i think that's what kobe was too was he perfect no absolutely not but who is and the impact that he made is much bigger than any kind of and, – and I bring that up because there's people that like the naysayers or whatever you want to call them. But I say that to say that his the pros about him far outweigh the cons, and he made such an impact on, on not just the basketball world but the world in general. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you talk, you talk about the, the game, Kobe, that every baseball player that ever played the game when they're picking up batting practice balls that's the game they go to so it's always funny because no matter what age if they're 9 10 or 18 19 they still do it so that that just shows you right there and you think about you know when he came out of lower mary in high school drafted by the hornets traded for vladi divak to go to the lakers and started winning at such a young time you know with shaq and then they went through a little lull then at the end of that decade they got they got two more he, he wanted to show that it was not just him and somebody. It was, this could be my team. And that's when I think his legacy started laying a good foundation and that he could build upon and show that I'm not just a basketball player, but I'm a humanitarian, I'm a businessman or anything that you could talk about. So uh, I'm glad we brought that up because sometimes we, we need to take a minute and realize and recognize what's going on around us instead of who won what ball game. Yeah. And a lot of times everybody's judged and, you know, we had a uh, Dorian craft on when we were talking about, you know, people judging just for those two hours, you're on a, the football field or the basketball court. You don't realize what goes on, you know, behind those, the curtains, especially when you're in celebrity status. I mean, guys, could you imagine being at the sp- at the point in your life where you can't even go get a hamburger with your daughter or your, or your girlfriend without having 20,000 cameras on you or going to a hotel and seeing, you know, 10 people waiting outside your hotel room trying to get an autograph where your whole life is under a microscope. I mean, and for these players to still go out all the time and, and perform at such a high level and then have to deal with that stuff in their lives. I mean, that just puts in perspective of just the mental game that, comes to being you know a top pro athlete yeah no doubt that's something that we don't talk about either is even it like a i've seen this plenty of times is you go to a restaurant or even when i was waiting tables i did that in college it was some of the worst times of my life not recommended but when you go to a restaurant and you see i happen to see a celebrity there like for instance for me it was uh, chris allen in conway right around the time that he won american idol <laughs> and it was just like the poor guy couldn't eat because people just wanted to continuously go up and get autographs and get pictures. And yeah, you don't think about how hard that is. And Porter going along with that also too, going back to, to LeBron, 
a guy, him and Kobe, both under the microscope since they were 14, 15 years old, over half their life. But for the and again, I know that Kobe had that stuff in the mid 2000s, but LeBron, that's one thing you can say about him. He never got in trouble. You know, either way, these, these, so many of these players, they are under so much pressure being under the microscope, being, being, having eyes on them every single second of the day. I mean, it's even like sometimes you don't even feel comfortable in your own home. But, uh, I don't know if I should say comfortable, but at least, uh, the, the, well, pri- the privacy of your own home. You don't. Yeah. It does follow you home because in this day and age, you got social media. You're laying in your on your couch or your pool or wherever, and you're seeing the DMs and all the stuff going on social media. So in a way, it's like there's no escape. At least if you're out at a party or out at a club, and people paparazzi after you, can kind of go home and just escape everything. But when you go home and you're still dealing with it, I mean, yeah, I mean, there is no escape for it. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're up against a break. When we get back, we will talk some high school and Razorback baseball. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode 193 of the Hog Talk podcast. Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes here with you. And as we talked about in the opening, Tennessee gave Arkansas all they wanted over the weekend, but the Razorbacks once again prevailed. They still have not lost a series all year. They have won nine straight in the SEC. But each game this weekend was decided by one run. And, Kevin, each week we talk about the pitching in one way or another – Normally, that's what we have to talk about in terms of the negative things, but normally Friday night is nails for you. You got, like we talked about, you've got Wiki in there starting off that could probably, it's probably going to get you five to seven innings most nights, and then you might bring in Monk before you bring in Cops, but he only lasted 2.2, and he, he, uh, Gave up six hits, five runs, two earned runs, and he only struck out two. Just really wasn't his night. Tennessee got on him early when they got out to the five to nothing lead, and you know we ended up coming out and winning after another stellar performance from Cops and and Caden Monk. You know he had a good game one, which I've got a, a question about him in a second. But man, just when this team just can continuously they they just will refuse to lose a series is really what it boils down to. Like, I'm really just out of things to say because each week I'm like, okay, well, what are they going to do this time? Are they going to actually show up? Are they going to have that game where they just don't 
are not able to put it all together and maybe not get swept, but possibly lose the series one to two, but they just continuously always find the way to pull it out. Yeah, you think about it, and the word that comes to mind is resiliency, or they're resilient. And you think back to what happened. We lost our first SEC game, by the way, 16-1 to to an Alabama team. And I think back to that all the time because you look at we came back and won that series 2-0, and then you, you lose to Ole Miss. You get a rubber game with Georgia, and it could have gone either way. Auburn beats you on Friday night 2-1. to Bats didn't come alive. Had to come back both Saturday and Sunday that week. It just keeps stacking up every every week. And I, I said a while ago, I think we're going to look back on this day, on Sunday, and how we came back in this game and fought through a couple of things and in our postseason run and said that's where it really turned the corner. And it's really hard to turn a corner for a team that's going to be a, a consensus number one, a unanimous number one for six straight weeks. And that, that breaks the record of any football or basketball major sports program at the University of Arkansas. And Baseball America, I think it's going to be 12 straight weeks that we've been number one. But you talk about Kevin Copps and Caden Monk on Friday night. Monk looked really good. Now, his problem is the second time that he's come out this year hasn't looked good at all. Van Horn knew today after five pitches, one of them hit the backstop, gave them a chance to get their first run on the board. Also, Ron Costu, who came in yesterday, he cannot, he cannot go in and come out a third inning. He sat twice yesterday and then – what we what Van Horn had seen was like let's bring somebody else in. A lot of people were like, "Well, he should have left Costu in." Well, if Costu, if Wiggins would have went three up, three down, he would look like a genius. Or if he'd have put Vermillion in, Vermillion got lit up, they would have been like, "Well, Wiggins should have been in there." He makes calculated decisions and put, and he has a pulse of this team so well that he knows. Yeah, we made a mistake yesterday, and Wiggins gave up a home run. I felt bad about it yesterday because Wiggins relies on his fastball. And they call his fastball all the time. It wasn't there yesterday. The kid, the All-American second baseman, Max Ferguson, hit a three-run bomb. It was a walk-off. Number 14 in the nation at home. Yeah, we get it. But we still won the series 2-1. to one. We're 19-8 and eight on the year in SEC play. We're 39-10 and 10 overall. Number one team in the nation. A lot more to look forward to as we head to bomb. We have a chance to win 10 SEC series for the first time in program history. I believe, and if I think back and look at our records, we have never won 21 games in conference uh, out of 30. So still a lot to look forward to this year. It's always fun to get to 40 wins before the postseason because that gives you a chance at getting 50. It's been since the 80s that this that this baseball program has won 50 games. You got five guys in the lineup that have double-digit home runs, including Caden Wallace, Robert Moore is having a great year, Matt Goodhart. Brady Slavens, Christian Franklin had a home run the other night. And you actually saw some emotion out of Christian Franklin. That was really good. He pimped it like he should have because he got all of that ball. So, great weekend for the Hogs. You get to go to Knoxville. You get to, like, as, as Robert Moore would say, happy flight on the way home. When are these fans going to stop acting? Calm so down, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is what I'm getting at. This team's number one in the country. 13 and 5 on the road, 11 and 4 in conference play. The team that went to Omaha and was in the finals went 5 and 5 in SEC series. Okay. When are they going to start really trusting this team that if just because you drop one damn game, it's the end of the world? 
You know, Tennessee puts up five in the first thing in the first game and all hell breaks loose. Yesterday, the kid, you're playing, you're not playing McNeese State. You're not playing UCA. You're not playing A-State. You're playing the number four team in the country on the road. The kid got an amazing walk-off home run. I mean, on a pitch that was left right over the plate. At the very end, you can kind of see it tail right over the meat of the plate. If that fastball wouldn't have tailed in, it could have been a strikeout. But, he, I mean, he hit hit a good ball and had every right to, you know, celebrate, you know, a walk-off home run. But when are these fans really going to trust the team and trust this coach that has the talent and the team and the pitching staff to make it to another run to Omaha? It just really irritates me that they have done – they ain't lost a season or series all year. And, and look at Vandy struggling with Ole Miss. They were down 10-2. I know – they brought it back to 10-7 on a grand slam. Mississippi State lost to the worst team in the SEC. The laughing stock of the SEC, they lost two games to Missouri. I mean, what more do you want from this team to prove to them that, hey, just because they drop a game, it's not the end of the world. They win the series, and then it's like you're giving yourself anxiety, like I'm flipping out on a Saturday because you know what? Sunday cops comes in and shuts it down and then shuts y'all up because the series is over. It's another win. I mean, guys, enjoy it. You're looking at one of the best teams to ever play at Arkansas. We've had some pretty daggum good teams. Well, and Porter, I think a lot of that too, to the casual fan, which I, I consider myself a casual fan too, just like everybody else. We tend to, and I'm certainly guilty of this, we tend to look at the, the negatives more so than the positives. Yeah, well, this is this is going on where we might be the team that has the most home runs and might get on base via a walk more than any team in the country. I'm not sure if we're still number one in walks, but right, nonetheless, we're one of the top offensive teams in the country. But then we take a step back and then we look at, okay, we've got these struggles at pitching. That's okay to do. There's nothing wrong with constructive criticism and talking about what you need to improve on. But it's the it's those annoying people that just whenever anything goes bad, it's like, oh, it's the worst thing in the world. And I know that there's uh, – I'm not going to say his name because I'm not going to give him publicity. But uh, I mean, I'm not saying he's not funny. I'm just not going to promote him. But there's a guy on Twitter that he uses reverse psychology. And he's an Arkansas fan. uses reverse psychology. And pretty much tries to say, fire Van Horn, we just gave up a home run, or this or that, uh, fire Van Horn because uh, we can't hit today or whatever. And then at the very end, of course, they're back on the bandwagon. They do that to get attention. And But there's a lot of people that do that. They just, anything goes wrong. It's just a it's that microwave society we live in. And then automatically, it's just, uh, you, you think it's the end of the world. But you know what? If we would have lost on Sunday, if we would have gotten swept, even if we get swept by Florida, I hope it doesn't happen, but I'm just saying, who's going to remember if they make it to Omaha? Who remembered in 2015 when they made it to Omaha and that they were 500 midway through the, that point in the season, or at the halfway point of the season? Who's going to remember that Patrick Wicklander, after being so dominant in SEC play, only went 2.2 against Tennessee Guys, do you y'all remember Brady Singer, right? Cabo, I know you remember him. Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, you, oh yeah. You, you think he enjoyed playing Arkansas? Yeah, he definitely didn't enjoy playing yeah, against he, Casey Martin exa- because yeah. Casey Martin owned his butt. <laughs> and, and Arkansas had like an eight ERA against him. This was the SEC p- pitcher of the year. He was a first round draft pick. He's a middle reliever, I believe, now for the Kansas City. He's been Royals. called up. He's with the yeah. Royals. But this guy was awesome. He was a national championship pitcher, 
And in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament, Chad Spanberg, you talk about Casey Martin, him and he still has nightmares about Casey Martin and Chad Spanberg. Chad Spanberger hit a home run off his knee. On I mean, It was like a 16 to nothing game. I mean, just absolutely blew him out. Again, that didn't matter. That, that kind of ties into my point, too. We beat them 16 to nothing, but they ended up winning the national championship. So we've got to stop focus. And I know that these rants are not going to do anything. People are going to continue to do what they do. But that's just a big reason why people are the way that they are. They just want things yeah. immediately, and they want everything <laughs> to be perfect all the dang time. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And it's nice to see that people get called out on it and get kind of humbled. But, you know, there's a difference. Like you said, what people are saying about control constructive criticism they actually know what they're talking about you know they're not i mean these people fire dave van horn or we need to get rid of him and bring in vitello well we've seen how that played out today (laughs) i mean but in reality to that subject you know the the jawing after man i want that in baseball i love that you know that stuff in baseball where it it has that rivalry we want rivalries and in the era where you know all these kids are playing together and and you know, the sticks, the prospects, perfect game. And they go to college and it's like, you know, they're buddying up. It's cool to have that fire and that want to beat everybody and have that rivalry and that animosity against two teams. We've seen it against Ole Miss and we look forward to the Ole Miss series. Now we can add the Tennessee series to it. I think that's what we need today in the game of all sports. Get back to where we really hate playing these teams and we want to beat these teams so bad and you're actually winning. That's the good thing about the baseball program. You know, they're actually yeah. one of the rivals' homes and beating them in their yard when they open the stadiums up to 100%. That's a, you talk about the rivalry and everything. And I, I coached a young man that's on Tennessee's team right now, Kyle Booker. He had the double off of uh, Kevin Copps on Friday night, came in there, and he actually came in again today and uh, struck out. And I think he had a second at bat, too. And I forget, Tessa was running around. But yeah, the, the kids that play for Arkansas that played for me, they went out to eat yesterday, enjoyed some fellowship together. But today it was, okay, I'm going to get out there and we're going to win. It, it, all the friendship can be put aside. So I'm glad that, you know, maybe we got a cross-division rival because we're not going to play them every year. Yeah, we get Ole Miss every year, but there's always going to be an eye towards Knoxville and towards the East on what are those guys doing because you got the connection with Tony V. He was at Arkansas. He's trying to build what Arkansas has had for the last 15 years. So, and, and people are saying, yeah, he, he's, he's the chosen one that's going to come home. He's the prodigal son that's going to return. Would he even want to? Would we even want him at that point because of the time that he's got at Tennessee? He's going to be a controversial figure because that's just who he is. That's what he's always been like. He's not the best people person in the world. He is a great baseball mind, though. He is a great baseball coach, and he demands perfection. He, when he recruited Caden Wallace, Tyler Ketch, Torrey, Clayton Gray, Jackson Wiggins, he told those guys, look, I'm not going to be here when you get here, but I want you to come to the University of Arkansas, but I'm not going to be your coach. Know that now. And he was straight up and honest with them. That's just who he is, and that's why Tennessee's ranked in the top five in the nation right now. So glad we won, glad it's over with, and we can turn our attention to Judd Fabian, Kevin O'Sullivan, and the Florida Gators who come to bomb next weekend on a Thursday through Sunday series. And I'm sure we all know this by now, what happened after the the game on Sunday. So as the TV is about to pan off, 
They go over to the, the I guess, kind of close to Arkansas's dugout where the teams were going to be shaking hands or the coaches were going to be shaking hands, and all we see is DVH and Tony Vitello pretty close, and they were clearly not happy with each other, and Nate Thompson kind of there trying to break things up. And as Tony Vitello's assistant coach is pulling him away, he's staring DVH down as DVH is looking at him. And then the Tennessee players start coming towards the Arkansas players. We weren't sure what was going to happen after that. The Arkansas players start clapping, and then it all gets broken up. DVH and and Vitello ended up talking. I'm not really sure if they've officially made up, but I have heard that you know it's kind of water under the bridge now, or at least it seems based on what they had said in their press conferences. But guys, here's my thing on this: is I'm not worried about it. Things are going to happen in in heated moments, and these two clearly have a lot of respect for each other. I don't think Tony Vitello is he's obviously like Kevin. You said an incredible baseball mind, recruiter, the game in general just an overall great coach. But I think that he's also smart enough to know just that he he would not be where he is without the chances that, and the opportunities that Dave Van Horn gave him. Plus, he has he does not have any place to be coming after Dave Van Horn or Kevin O'Sullivan at Florida like he did. So basically this season, he is – and again, I don't think that it's going to be anything moving forward, big a big deal with him and DVH just because they have such a good relationship – but he's not really starting off very good. I know this is his third year, I guess technically fourth, but he he wasn't uh, didn't get to coach long last year during the COVID year. But when you make two of the top three coaches in the league mad in one season, that just really puts a bad look from the outside world. And again, I think that his ability to coach and recruit is going to outweigh his hot temper. But I think that this guy just really has to realize, and I I would imagine that he's going to learn a lot from this situation, but he has not done enough to have that kind of, uh, I guess that kind of uh, ability, not ability, but he shouldn't be going at these coaches the way that he has when he hasn't earned anything. You ever popped off your dad and quickly immediately regretted your decision? Absolutely. (laughs) I think that's exactly what happened. He popped off to daddy, quickly at the Twix, and went to the dugout. I mean, that's, I think that's what happened there. You know, you don't talk to daddy like that way. Um, but in all realness, yeah, it's, it's two guys that have heavily respect for each other and the guys want to stick for his team. You still got to be a coach. It doesn't matter if you know a hundred percent that your players are wrong for their actions, you're still going to stand behind them. Then you're going to go jump them in, you know, take care of it behind closed doors and tell them, Hey, look, your action just caused me, get a butt chewing, you know, and I think that's what happened. And, and it showed in the press conference and man, Dave Van Horn, classy. His response was it could have been about recruiting. It could have been about where we're going to go eat dinner, but that's between me and him. He wasn't going to give out the information because he knew it was nothing. He's not going to give it to the press or the media. And they, t- it's already spun all over social media. And I think he kind of just nipped in the bud as like, Hey, I had to tell my son to call him down and go home. Can y'all imagine the memes that are going to come out of this thing? Oh, man. I mean, that, that, that is the great thing about the social media, the internet, and the, this day and age is when something like that happens on a, you know, with a national spotlight on you, is you get to laugh about it for a little bit. So uh, I guarantee Tennessee is going to be a national host. They're going to be most likely a top eight seed, having finished where they were in the body of work that they have. So, there's a chance that we both make it to Omaha. It, there's a good chance that we could face each other again in the first or second round. So 
a lot of a lot of good baseball being played this weekend. I think that's the, the thing that kind of gets overlooked with a lot of this. I know we talked about it, but uh, just just look at how far that we've come, knowing that. And it impresses me sometimes because I think about where we were, you know, early 2000s and Van Horn's seventh, eighth, ninth year to where we're going 39, 22, 16, and 14 in the SEC. And th- those were good years and they were okay years, but we had the best facilities on the planet. A college, a college university has the best facilities on the planet, baseball wise. And we're getting the the best recruits. Jason Jones for the 2022 class just got invited to the MLB PDP. That's the professional development program that Caden Wallace went to that a lot of these other guys are going to, and they're able to play in front of pro scouts, top 10, top 15, top 20 players in the nation that we're getting to commit to the university of Arkansas. So it's not just going to be a year or two guys. We've just shown, we've shown that this program has sustainability having gone to the college world series, you know, the last two times, and we're going to make it three in a row last year. Well, we can make it three in a row this year and just keep the ball rolling. Well, guys think about how chippy the Alabama game was in basketball when we beat them the second time around and how much we thought how fun it would be if they meet in the sec tournament again, or even very little chance that they might've met in the NCAA tournament. But I'm even more excited for that possibility that you just talked about, Kevin, of maybe meeting in the College World Series. We beat Florida, and that was another game that we were speaking of Brady Singer. We rocked him in that game to advance to the the series, the uh, finals against Oregon State. Think about that kind of game. That would, man, that, that would be just <laughs> out of this world. And I was also thinking about, too, kind of going back, I want to say one more thing about Vitello. I think my concern with him is is hopefully he learns from what happened with him in DVH. But what if something happens? Let's say, generally speaking, they're in a super regional and they get to game three and they lose that one by one run. How is he going to be towards that coach? Is he going to start throwing out possible recruiting allegations that he thinks they did wrong or you know, just situations like that? Or is he going to talk about some bad calls that, that went uh, the other team's way stuff? I think that's really what, when it comes down to it, that he's just going to have to learn that you're going to have to take losses sometimes. There's going to be sometimes where the strike zone might not be in your favor or your guys just aren't hitting well, but you just can't take that out on uh, on other coaches. That's just really what it boils down to. Well, one, one quick thing. I, I just Something occurred to me. We're basically discussing the same thing we're talking about with Musselman and how he acts and maybe a reason he didn't get SEC Coach of the Year because of his temper. (laughs) First year in the SEC and how the other coaches perceive him. It's ironic that we're talking about the Tennessee coach and looking back, we said the same things about Musselman and how he acted. And people people grilled me for saying that. Like, I got – crapped yeah. on because I said that Musselman was being ridiculous during the Missouri game, and I still stand by that. But the shoe's on the other foot, so they're going to go after the coach, Absolutely. not remember. Absolutely. Hey, man, our coach was acting the same way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's it's funny how that works. I mean, hey, I've got our coaches back. 
Yeah, Arkansas I, Twitter admitting that they're wrong. Oh no. Yeah, and I've I've got all our coaches' <laughs> backs, but I can certainly admit when when they're out of line. But, well, Kevin, before we switch over to some high school here, a reporter, if you have something else too, you can go. But I, I was wanting to ask you about uh, Caden Monk. So you know he went three point one innings on Friday night and struck out three. But as you mentioned on Sunday, just wasn't that good. He threw five pitches, none of them were strikes. He left Zeb Vermillion to inherit a one out bases loaded situation. It seems like a trend with him that. He'll He'll do extremely well that first that first game of the series, but when he makes another appearance, he just kind of falls flat on his face. Do you think that it's maybe just certain situations that he comes into that might be tough to overcome? Surely by this point, you wouldn't think the moment is too big, just considering who we've played, the amount of top 10 teams, top five teams we've played. What do you think that that could attribute to? Uh, yeah, and I agree with you. I don't think it's that the moment is too big. I just don't think that he bounces back as easily as like a Kevin Copps does. And you see it some of, some of the times when these kids are younger, and we see it there in you know high level competition of you know, showcase baseball, to where you have a kid that is a starter and he'll go in and throw his game. And then he'll be done for the week. And you have some kids that can go in, they have what we call a rubber band arm. And they bounce back very easily. Logan Gilbertson at Cabot in 2017 was one of those guys. He's at UCA right now. He could throw 50 pitches, come back out the next day and throw 50 more. Not everybody can do that. And we have seen when he gets into that 40, 50 pitch range, he's probably done for the weekend. We only have one guy out of the bullpen right now that's a lefty when Lockhart starts that we really can depend on. I know Zach Morris has done a really good job and eat up some innings this year, but when the game's on the line, we've, we've only really got one right now, and that's Caden Monk. So DVH thought he could go to him. It was a good situation. He's got a natural cut on his fastball that's 90 to 92, and that could go in, jam righties, get into a 6-4-3 double play. I guarantee you that's what DVH was thinking today. He's like, look, we can run one in on him right here. He'll – jam shot out the shortstop and we can get out of this inning. It just didn't work. I noticed it last Saturday when I was up there for the game because he came in and threw really well on Friday night against Georgia. And then Saturday I saw him down there getting warmed up and he was bouncing them to the backstop just like he was today. He just was not in the zone. He wasn't comfortable. The adrenaline in your body takes over when you start getting ready because you start getting your mind right and everything. But sometimes your body's just not reacclimated itself to getting out there and doing the same thing that you were doing 48 hours ago. So I think it's got that to do with it more than anything else. And as he gets stronger, I know this is just really his second year there. As he gets stronger physically, he may be able to be that guy. But as of right now, he's probably just good for 40 pitches in a weekend. If he can go out there and throw three innings, get it done, that's going to be his role. Well, and also got to give a big shout out to Lyle Lockhart. His, I, I would say that's probably it's certainly his best SEC performance of the season. But uh, definitely, I, I guess you could go back all the way to the beginning and say that this is his best performance as a Razorback. Eighteen batters faced, four point one innings pitched, four hits, and just gave up uh, an. Or, or, uh, did he give up an earned run? I was to say I know that he gave up uh, some hits, but I actually yeah, I, mean, I can't. I couldn't remember if he gave up one of those runs or not. But yeah, struck that, out those, seven. That, yeah, that that run was his that came in. Okay, uh, because they let off they let off single single that inning, had the wild pitch, bases loaded walk of course, or the walk to get bases loaded, and then Vermillion had the fielder's choice. So yeah, it was charged to Lockhart. That's but right. yeah, 
great job for him this weekend. Yeah, big time. Big time stepped up. You know, normally it just was struggling to get out of the second and third inning, but man, he really came through in the clutch when, when we needed him. And the final segment here, we're going to talk some Arkansas high school baseball. The state championships begin this week. They will be held at Everett Field, Benton Sports Complex. They're just south of Little Rock. And Kevin, I'll, uh, I'll name off the teams here and then kind of give you the floor and do a quick little breakdown. But the 6A, you've got Springdale Harbor versus Rogers. 5A, Van Buren versus Jonesboro. 4A, Magnolia versus Valley View. 3A, Walnut Ridge versus Harding Academy. 2A, B Branch versus Woodlawn. And last but not least, Izzard County Consolidated versus Viola. And again, I will give you the floor here to uh, kind of discuss some of these matchups. Yeah, you got some rematches, actually, Kyle and Porter. You look at ICC and Viola. They played twice or three times this year already twice in conference and then the regional final last week where Viola won three to nothing. Uh, they've only lost once this year. It was out of conference play, but ICC is probably the second best team. They were ranked second going into this weekend uh, based on the Arkansas high school media poll. Look at two a it's the two best teams. Southside B branch led by Easton Swafford, the Arkansas commit for the 2022 class. He's ranked in the top 75, I believe by perfect game nationally. Woodlawn's just been a machine this year under Tommy Richardson. Such a great baseball tradition. Kel Ed, Kel Edmonds, excuse me, excuse me, and then Jaden Maines, two of their big studs. And then you look at the three A is a rematch between the regional final Harding Academy Wildcats. They're led by the three-headed monster of Kate Smith, Gavin Albetti, and Levi Lang. Those three have been their leaders this year. They got Kyler Hoover hit a home run the other night for them. They they got by Ashdown six to five in the state semifinal. Should be a really good game between them and Walnut Ridge, who's led by Amari Thomas, who's a Crowder College commit. Got a couple of Razorbacks up there right now, and Landry Wilkinson and Dylan Carter. Uh, Walnut Ridge also has Cole Manning, the two-star, uh, two-sports star for them. He played quarterback for the football team. And then you look at 4A, Valley View, led by Josh Allison. I think they'll take care of Magnolia. Magnolia's been really nails late this season. They beat Nashville in the regional, regional final, 13-3. to and then they, they've really not been challenged the last four games. They've won them by at least six runs. 5A, really good matchup. Jonesboro, they've been the team this year we've talked a lot about, and I've talked a lot about on Drive Time Sports with Double uh, R. They're 27-5 and five on the year. They got D1 commits up and down the lineup. Josh Heineman, 2022. Razorback commit on the mound. And then Cross Jumper, the Tennessee commit, those two will be uh, competitors here in the next couple of years against each other. Talk about Arkansas and Tennessee. They're facing a really good Van Buren team led by Connor Brady, Connor Johnson. Uh, Devin Gaddis is another one to look out for. And then 6A, the rematch, they split during the regular season, Rodgers and Harbor. Rodgers won 5 to nothing to get the top seed in the tournament for 6A, the 6A West. Looking forward to that battle. Cooper Dawson is finally healthy for Springdale Harbor again. Another 2022 Razorback commit. He was up to 94 earlier this year on the mound. He and Ethan Fender combined for a no-hitter against Bryant in the state semifinals. So a lot of good baseball this weekend. Every top, every top-ranked team in every classification made it to the final. And four out of the six classifications, it's one versus two. So some really good baseball this weekend in Benton. It starts on Thursday at either 10 or 1 o'clock. I can't remember. But there's two games each day. You can get out there to Benton, go out there and watch them. But it's 5A and 6A starting on Thursday. A lot of good high school baseball to end the season in Arkansas. Yeah. 
And, and yeah, Kevin, I was going to ask you, is that surprising to, you know, have all the number ones and, and four out of the six be one and two when it, when it comes to making the, the finals, there's not really been that Cinderella run this year. Yeah. North Little Rock was the only team that, you know, was really Cinderella. They ended up 14 and 16 on the year. They beat number three or third seed Fayetteville and then upset Cabot in the quarterfinals. But yeah, you really didn't see it. It's, it's really held, held the form this year. So I'm, I'm excited because you get to see the best in the state. You know, usually you do get that Cinderella like North Little Rock did in 2019 where they had lost six in a, five or six in a row. Of course, they, they tried again this year. They had a really good outing with Brody Bunning in the first round, Jaden Willis in the second round. So they deserve, you know, an honorable mention for that. Uh, lower classifications, it, it was really true to form as well. Of course, the, the top teams that had been there most of the season, Walnut Ridge held number one almost wire to wire until they lost against Harding Academy in the regional final. And Harding Academy just kept coming, kept coming. They lost, I think they were five and four and then lost their fifth game. I think they'd won 14 or 15 in a row. So, but the matchup to watch probably is going to be Woodlawn and Southside B Branch for such a low classification. Got some really, they got some dudes over there on both benches. So it's going to be a lot of fun down there. And everybody gets to converge on Central Arkansas. It's something that doesn't happen very often in terms of baseball. It's usually held at Bomb Stadium, of course. For the fans that didn't know, every high school has to bid on the state tournament, regional tournament, and weekend of champions. Fayetteville High School usually bid on it. But they didn't this year due to unknowns with COVID. They didn't know if they would get that many people in Bomb Stadium. And then, of course, Arkansas does play Florida this year. So that was the reason that it's not in Northwest Arkansas, the University of Arkansas. Benton, they have great facilities. A lot of people have called it Baby Bomb. It's not quite there, but it's a great facility. It is turf. And then softball will be playing as well. Uh, so a lot of fun. Get there early if your game is scheduled. That's why they did two a day instead of three a day like they usually do. Get there early because it'll probably be standing room only. And if Harding Academy wins, they're going to win the Triple Crown. We talked about that earlier of Triple Crown and track and field. Harding Academy is going to win at football, basketball, and baseball, aren't they? I just thought about that for 3A. Yeah, and, and that will be the second time that they've done it, Kyle. Oh. They did it, I think, back in 2012. Uh, Will Francis led them in football, basketball, and baseball again. He was the uh, shooting guard, quarterback, and pitcher slash outfielder on that team. So it's it's a really good program, and they actually, I think, boys soccer they're in the finals as well. So good program. <laughs> you know, I got I got a really good relationship with Shane Fullerton, who is the head baseball coach up there. He stepped down this year because he's going to be the associate athletic director. Really good program. The kids work hard and. You know, they've done it. You know, a lot of people think these private schools do it with just athletes coming out the wazoo, but they've got a really good hard-nosed group. They're young. They'll all be back next year, I believe. But they, they only have like 10 or 11 kids that they go to battle with every week. Yeah. Yeah, their football team's losing Ty Duggar and, and – um Caden Sipe, that was his last name. But Sipe, yeah, yeah, quarterback. Yeah, 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 quarterback and wide receiver combo. But they're yeah, their football team's loaded, I know, with plenty of junior of sophomores and juniors. But but yeah, like Kevin said, get there early because it is going to be now, especially that we actually have them this year. Expected to be a packed house. And so just uh again, as we always say, very thankful to have made it through an, another year. So well, guys, I think that's going to get it. Uh, some really good stuff today. We hit a, just at right about an hour, just when I thought we were going to have pretty much baseball to talk about only. We are an hour later, and 
all that. But we're we're approaching episode two hundred. We're just, I guess, after this one, we're just six away. Hmm, that's right. Crazy. Middle of June, baby. Yeah, middle of June. Don't, so don't forget, we find out. So by the time this drops, we'll know where the softball team's going to be. Yes. If they're going to be hosting and who they're going to be playing. So yeah. I know it'll be too late by the time it drops, but I'm I'm looking forward to see. Yeah. What what speed they get? Yep, softball, track and field, baseball. We got all kinds. I mean, we're we're coming close to the end of the the year in, in college sports, high school sports, but still got a good bit left with the Razorbacks. But well, all right, fellas, good stuff. Well, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. For Kevin Bohannon, Porter Hayes, my name's Kyle Sutherland. We will catch you on Friday. Go Hogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.